You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Well, good morning and welcome to Foothills Church online. So thank you so much for joining us today. We are, we are thrilled that, that we have the capability to actually, as we cancel services and as we say, hey, everyone stay home, stay where you are, stay on vacation, whatever that might be, that we can actually, as a church, come together in a way that we never would have been able to 20, 30, 40 years ago in the past, but today we can do that. So thank you so much for joining us today. As Pastor Trent said earlier, my name is Heath Bennett and I'm so thrilled to be able to share just a little bit of myself, of my story um, with you. I think stories are incredibly powerful. Um, stories that we have and what God has done in our life are some of the most powerful things. And as we begin sharing our stories with other people and as we share those stories, as we interact and as we, as we let people in just a little bit under who we are, it, we start finding out more about them and we start finding out more about each other. Another reason why I love being involved with our groups ministry here is because as people come together, as we do life together, we share stories. People begin to hear what God is doing in our life. And so to be able to, to do that with you in this setting, so excited about that. If I've been able to meet you on Sunday morning, um, awesome. So excited about being able to meet you in the future. If you haven't been able to, if we haven't been able to connect yet, maybe it won't be a handshake, might be just a fist bump or a chicken wing going there for just a few weeks now. But I would love to be able to do that with you. Um, another reason I love stories is because we find so many in this book. We find so many stories in this book of, of life change, of intrigue, of, of, of loss, of redemption, of, of conflict. I mean, when we open up this book and we find all the stories that we read about in the Old Testament and the New Testament, and we begin to find as people are, are beginning to struggle with their life and begin to have questions about what's going on in their life and what God does in the middle of that, wow, we resonate with so much. In fact, today, we're gonna be taking a look in the story of Job. So if you, if you do have your Bible, you wanna open it up. If you have it on your app, you wanna look it up. We're gonna be, be camping out in the story of Job uh, for just a little while. Now, I wanna go, go ahead and give you a pass on this because I thought this as a kid. When I read through the Bible and I was reading through the Old Testament, I thought it was Job, and, uh, but it's not. So it actually is Job, so impress your friends next time that you can say that it's actually Job. So today we're gonna be talking about Job and we're gonna, we're gonna hit on a, verse in, a few verses in just a moment that where Job, something happens in his life. Something incredibly tragic happens in his life and, and, and what happens in his heart and what he does through this process is something that I personally resonated with you know, in my story. Um, but, but to set the stage for this, let me, let me give you a little background, a little backstory on Job. Job, the, the scriptures tell us that Job was an incredibly wealthy man. Job was blessed in so many ways. And Job, um, everything about him, uh, from the, he had 10 children. He was blessed with livestock. He was one of the most wealthy in the area. That he was blessed in so many ways that everybody on the outside would look at Job and say, yes, you've got it all together. God has blessed you tremendously. And so to see that and to, to understand, we read that opening and we understand where Job is is important as we begin to, to study and to look a little bit later on into his life and what happens. In fact, it, only, it also says this about Job. Not only that, but he was a godly man that loved God and he shunned the evil in such a way that even through all of that, he would wake up each and every morning and as he would, would, would bring an offering to God, he would bring an offering to God for his children. 
He would bring an offering to God for his children, like many of us would wake up and we would pray for our kids, things like that. So he would pray for his children and he would bring an offering and basically saying, okay, God, for whatever they might have done wrong, wrong, I want to intercede for them. I want to step in and say, please don't hold that against them. As a a loving father, this is what I want to do. That's the kind of man that Job was. He was righteous, he was godly, and everything about him said he was absolutely blessed. And then the story changes. And what we find is this, is that God is having a conversation with his angels. And with those angels, he he discovers, or or Satan is there. We discover as we read about it that Satan is there with God. And God looks at Satan and says this, where have you been? And Satan says, I've been going to and fro throughout the earth. And then God brings up Job and he says this, have you considered my servant Job? Have you thought about him? Have you looked at him because there's no one on the earth like him? Because he loves me, he loves his family. Everything about him says that he is righteous. And Satan says he's only righteous, he only does these things because you've blessed him so much. Now, pause there for just a moment. I think for many of us, that's the truth. When God blesses us, it's obvious that we love God. When, when we experience blessing in our life, when we experience all of these great things going on in our life, it's so easy to pause and be like, isn't God so wonderful? And then when tragedy, when anything were to happen that were to take that away, how do we respond? So Satan is the deceiver, Satan is the tempter, and he says, if you were to take that away, what would he do? And so what we find is that God allowed it. And God said, okay, Take everything away, just don't touch him. And this is what we see what happens next. Now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And there came a messenger to Job and he said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. And the Sabaeans fell upon them and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, the fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. And while he was yet speaking, there came another and said, the Chaldeans formed three groups and made a raid on the camels and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And behold, a great wind came across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house and it fell upon the young people and they are dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Now to think for just a moment, to be in Job's shoes, to have everything in life, to be blessed in so many ways and to be able to look out and to say that God, you have blessed me immensely. I have, I have livestock, I have property, I have money, I have family, everything. He has respect in the community. Everything about Job said, you have it all together. In fact, many of us would look at him and say this, you're the son we wish we had, you're the son-in-law that we wanna have. In fact, for many of us would say, you're the, you're the guy that I wish that I was, okay? I mean, we look at him and say, you have it all together and in one moment, it's gone. In one moment, 
it was all gone. It says right there that they came and they said over and over and over, back to back. And while he was speaking, another comes in. So in one moment, you hear that. I don't know about how you would respond, but I know for me, there would be some, a lot of questions that I would have. What is going on? How, how could this be happening to me? But we find that Job, in that moment, tears his clothes, and this is how he responds. Oops, sorry, there we go, I'll let you. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I, I, I have to say that if all that were to happen at one time, I don't know if I would necessarily respond that way. Honestly, in, sometimes in my fleshly self, I would say, I don't know if I would have responded that way. But this is what we read about what, the way that Job responds. And, and, and the way that we find out actually in the next chapter that he was even, there was something else came and, and actually there were sores that come on his body. And it says this, that, that Job still with his mouth did not sin against God. And so when I read this, when I read this when I was growing up, I remember thinking to myself, there's a lot that I could learn from Job in this. Because see, you know, my story was kind of similar, not that I had a whole lot. I, I, in fact, I, I had the opposite. I didn't have a whole lot growing up. In fact, I grew up in a very blue-collar family, and my, my um, family was very um, dysfunctional, to, for lack of a better term with that. There was, um, we lived up in a North Georgia town called uh, Cumming, Georgia, in Forsyth County, and I remember um, growing up just knowing that each and every day I didn't know what to expect because my mom was an alcoholic, and, and a drug addict. And so when I, when I, when I, remember, I remember growing up thinking to myself many times, um, asking myself many questions about God, about why he would be allowing me to go through what I was going through. Well, we didn't go to church a whole lot. A whole lot. We, we would go at Christmas, we would go at Easter, and we would be kind of that kind of family and sit in the church pew on those dates because that's what you're supposed to do when you live in the South. And so that's, that's what we did. And I remember that, that my, um, my mom and I were sitting in church one Sunday. I was, I was really young, and we were sitting there, and the, the pastor was really yelling at us. And, and I heard him yelling at us in such a way that was, that was like, I thought he was mad at me. I didn't understand what was going on. I thought that he was uh, angry with me. And then I thought to myself, is, is God feel that way about me? Is he totally angry with me? And I began to sink lower and lower in the pew thinking, I just really want to get out of here because I don't know what this man's going to do. And so we left, and I asked my mom, I was like, why? is that man yelling at me so much? And she said, I don't know why, and we really never went back. Um, but I remember growing up, and, and as I was approaching about the age of nine, some neighbors invited my sister and I to church. This First Baptist Church of Cumming, Georgia. And they invited us to church, and I thought, well, I'm sure we'll go. It was a Wednesday night event that they had. They had this event for, for children, and so my, my sister and I went, and and, and I wish I could tell you to this day why, but I, I kept going back. Um, I, I kept going back to this church. I, I think maybe it was because I started to, to discover that there was a God who wasn't all <laughs> that mad at me like I felt with the other pastor, that there was a, um, a plan that he had for me and that he loved me. And the people there made me feel like that I was welcome and that I belonged. Kind of like what we say here at Foothills, you belong here. And if we say that, people should feel that. And I did. 
And, and I remember feeling that and continually going back. And maybe it was just the simple fact that what I had at home and the dysfunction that I was feeling day in and day out with mom and dad who were sometimes separated, sometimes together, not knowing what I would experience when I would show up with mom and being at home. And sometimes she was in a rehabilitation center. And, and with all of that that was happening with that chaos, I found hope at church. And around a year following that, I remember going to a children's camp that they were putting on. And as I was at this children's camp, we're sitting around, there's all these kids and their leaders and we're all sitting around this campfire and we're all sitting around this campfire and the, and the, the, the leader of the week just stands up and he says, um, hey, you, you guys know that this whole week we've been talking about that there's a God who loves you and he has a plan for you, a heavenly father who loves you immensely and he has a plan for you and, and he loves you so much that, that our sin, what we have done against him, the wrongs that we have committed, he said that has separated um, us from God but but God loved you so much that he sent his own son for you to die for you so that you can have a relationship with him. And I, rem I remember being in, I think it was in fourth grade, and thinking to myself that, that that's a love that I've never experienced before. That's a love that I've never experienced at home before. That's a love that I really wish that, that I really want. And the fact that if a God could love me that much and provide that kind of a relationship for me, even though at the, at the grand old, you know, in, in fourth grade, I haven't committed a whole lot of sins, didn't have a huge rap sheet, right? And so um, didn't have a whole lot going on. But I remember thinking, um, I really, really want that. So we came back on a Sunday night. And the pastor said, if you'd like to come down and speak with someone about that relationship, come down. And I, and I did, and I went down. And I remember, actually I remember standing there and I was sitting, at the, sitting in a pew and I was standing next to my friend Toby and I kind of said to God, God, if Toby goes, I will go. And uh, so I kind of made this deal because I was a little nervous about going down front. And I looked at, and I looked and saw Toby's feet and he started to step and I was like, okay, there's, that's my turn. So I did and I walked forward and I spoke with someone. And not only that, but I looked down and I saw my sister praying with someone. And that same night we came to faith and we followed Jesus and we said, yes, we wanna have a relationship with you. And a couple of weeks later we were baptized. And I thought to myself, this is the beginning of something wonderful. Because I had heard that, that Jesus had this abundant, unbelievable plan and he wants to give me that life and I wanted to experience that. And I wanted to experience that life that, that, that he had promised me forever. And I hope and pray that maybe, just maybe, when I get home it's gonna be different. but it wasn't. In fact, in many ways, over the next few years, it, it got worse. I, I remember playing youth football and I remember, I remember being out on the field and, um, and I was taking a turn. I was really small, but for some reason they thought I was fast and they gave me the football and so they, they, they said, hey, just take the ball and go around the, around the side and, and that's, you're gonna be the running back, okay? Because we don't have a good running back. So they gave me the ball and I took around the corner and I remember someone yelling for me and normally that would be really encouraging but the, the yelling that I heard, the voice that I heard was, was a voice that was, that was someone that was drunk, that was intoxicated and it was slurred and I knew who it was and I went around the corner and I asked the coach to take me out and I didn't wanna go back in because I didn't want her yelling even for me in that way. I, I, never, I never knew 
what to do with my friends um, to invite them over. I love, I mean, I, I, on the Enneagram, if you're familiar with that, I'm a seven. I love being around people, and I love being people, which is really challenging today without you being here, but, but I love the fact that w- when I can be with people and be around people, it's absolutely phenomenal, and so um, to have people over my house is something that I'll cherish, something that I love for my kids to be able to do, and I wanted that so bad, but I never knew if my friends came over what they were going to experience and how my mom was going to be, and so I, I, many times I just didn't do that. I recall one another time when I was with my mom and sister and we went to one of her friend's house and she was drinking. And my dad came to get us and said, you're not taking them home. And physically, sitting in the backseat of the car with them pulling me, one to the other, and that represented, and I felt at that moment, this was my life. Being pulled in two different directions by my mom and my dad. And then it all actually came together um, my senior year. After all the years of, of challenge and, 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 and during that time, it was actually pretty unbelievable that God had sent another family into my life. God sent, sent another family um, into my life. That was my youth pastor and his wife at the time. And they were a family that, that kind of adopted me. They were a family that said, we want to, to you to be part of our life. That, that they were there to support me. They were there to encourage me. That they were there to challenge me and continually growing in my faith and to saying that, that there is a God, there's a God who still loves you and has a plan for you. And actually, I said, Jesus, I, I do want to follow you. I want to give you my life. I want you to, to have every bit of me. But all the while, I'm still wondering, God, why am I going through this? And I remember that senior year, and I was in a one-act play competition. I had a moment to shine they were having the awards as I got home on a Friday night. I found out that my mom was intoxicated again and my dad asked me to stay home the next day. And they gave out awards and I would have won an award for best actor for the, for the area. And I was mad. I, I was mad at my mom. I was mad at God. I didn't know what to think. Because I'm sitting here thinking, God, if you've blessed me so much, if you've given me, if you've given me this life that you told me about, and, you, and, and I want that relationship with you, and I want to have that relationship with you each and every day, wh- why am I going through this? I mean, we even find, as we continue on and we read about Job, and then we find out with Job, and in fact, in the next few chapters, he starts asking the question of, of God, or, or asking the question, should I even been born? Job begins to have these challenges. He's got these friends speaking into him, and his friends are coming to him and saying, God, or Job, you must have done something wrong for God to have done this to you. And Job is like, I haven't done anything wrong. In fact, Job understood he was righteous. He was trying to follow God. I felt the same way. I'm trying to follow Jesus. I'm trying to give him my life. And I'm trying to give it each and every day, but I couldn't understand for the life of me why I was going through what I was going through. In fact, my question was this, where's God? Job might have been asking the same question. In the middle of all of that, once again, when when our lives are being blessed, when everything feels great, we're like God is in the middle of that. But in the moment when we're struggling, the moment when we're wondering what's going on, we have often at times have the question of where's God in the middle of this? You might have thought the same thing. You've had a challenge in your life. You've had a struggle. You've had something that's taken place in your life and you've wondered to yourself, where's God in the middle of this? So in, in fact, I was so frustrated that, that if this was the, represented the story of my life, 
That when I graduated high school, I remember thinking that God, you, if you've got a specific plan for me, in fact, in the eighth grade, I, was, I sensed that God was really calling me to ministry. And so for, throughout middle school and through into high school, I knew that I was going to ministry. I knew I was going to, to, to a Christian college to learn about ministry. But I thought, you know what? If I could just tear out the pages that I didn't like anymore, that if I could just tear out the pages that, didn't, that I didn't want to be part of my life anymore, that if I could look in my past and say, you know what, God, I'm moving on. I'm gonna continue to tear some of these pages out because I, I don't want them to be part of my life. In many ways, I easily was telling God, you messed up. Because when I'm asking you where you are in the middle of these moments, I didn't want that to be part of my story anymore. And... That's what I did. I graduated, I went and started actually into ministry. I was in my, my early 20s and I started into ministry. And I, and I remember traveling and I was leading worship and speaking at various camps and conferences and retreats and all this you know, around and, um, and able to, to share my life and share my story. And I was able to interact with others and, have, and sh- let them know about the love that Jesus had for them in the same way that I discovered that. And I, I remember there was this one camp that I was at. I mean, really suffering for Jesus in this moment, but we were, we were in California on Catalina Island, and um, the guy that I was, I know, really, really suffering, that was with, with a friend of mine, we were leading worship, in this small little retreat center for about 80 students, teenagers, that were from Aspen, Colorado. And they, they drove from Aspen on these buses to Catalina Island, and they, they brought us out from Atlanta, Georgia, to Catalina Island. And I remember um, the whole week just get interacting with these students and getting to know them and sharing with them about God's love. And many of these were so far from what it meant to know and understand who God was. In fact, many of them said, I wanna just come and have fun with my friends. Some of the leaders there built relationships with them said, just come, we want you to come. And there was this one girl, her name was Julie, and I met her earlier in the week. And Julie um, shared with me during the week, she said, look, I just wanna go ahead and let you know. I don't want anything to do with these conversations about God. I don't want anything to do with any of this, um, the whole, you know, holy Jesus stuff, none of that. In fact, what I want is just to be here, have fun, meet some boys, and go home. And she shared that with everybody. And I thought, um, okay, well, I'm gonna love you anyway. I'm gonna get to know you this week, and we'll see what happens. Well, by the end of the week, the, um, the, the pastor, the speaker that, that was there for the week asked me, he said, would you be willing to share your story? And I, I said, sure. I, I didn't understand why. He didn't really know my story, but he said, you know, I love to, for people to be able to share their stories, share their testimony, and to be able to let others know, uh, uh, the students to hear, that, you know, it makes it real. If you're leading the music here, you're leading the worship, um, to make it real. And so I did, and um, as he asked me to step on stage and I proceeded to share my story very similar to what I just shared with you, and I walked off. And when he stepped out to the front, and it was the last night, and he looked to all the teenagers in the room, and he said this, he said, as Heath mentioned, there was a, that he understood even at a young age, and for you as a teenager, there is a God who loves you, and he loves you so much, he was not happy with how you're separated, he wanted a relationship with you, and he sent his son to die for your sins, for my sins, so that we can have that relationship. And he said, if you would like that relationship, would you please stand? And I stood off to the side, and I looked out, and it was a room very similar to this, 
light was kind of dim, and I saw just people popping up. Really couldn't tell who they were, just figures, just silhouettes popping up throughout the room. And I remember earlier seeing in the back, it looked like where Julie was sitting, and I'd been praying for her all week. And it looked like to me that Julie stood. And I have to be I, completely honest, I was, I was blown away, I was baffled. I, I couldn't believe that that would even happen because of everything that she had shared during the week. And come to find out after, I approached Julie and she came up, she gave me a big hug. She said, uh, you know, I, I did that. I, I prayed that tonight and, and I wanted that. And I looked at it and I was like, I gotta be honest, Julie, I'm, I'm kind of really blown away with all of this right now because I thought that you had said, <laughs> you didn't want anything to do with God and, and none of that. And I know that God is huge and he can do that, but this is, this is massive and I'm so excited for you. And she looked at me and this is what she shared. I did because of your story. Which... I didn't fully understand because I didn't think it was that great. I just kind of stood up and shared my story. And she said, no, see, my dad's an alcoholic. And I've thought for years, how could a God who loves me want anything to do with me because of what he's done, because of what I'm going through? If, if he loved me, would he really allow me to go through what I'm going through? But hearing your story today and hearing how God has brought you out of it and hearing how you, you have, have, have been able to move past that and how you have understood that Jesus still has a plan for you and even in the midst, midst of the circumstances, and I even shared you know, at that time that, that sometimes that we rejoice in our sufferings, that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And I found hope in Jesus even through my sufferings, which is incredibly difficult. And at the time, I believed it up here and to an extent I believed it here, but I had not seen it. But at that moment when she shared with me that, I saw it. And I realized at that moment that God, that your plan is not my plan. Your ways are not my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. In fact, if everything that I had gone through at that time was for this moment, in your eyes, it was worth it. Um, I mean, for, for me to go through that I went through in, in this small town in Georgia and for her to be in Aspen, Colorado and God take her and take her to a place, Catalina Island, myself across country to that, to have this moment where we were able to share and I was able just to share just a brief bit of my story and that to connect with her in such a way that she was connecting with her Heavenly Father and said yes to Jesus, it was worth it. And as we look into Job's life and as we begin to read toward the end, as I've gone back into that book and reading about his life and reading at the end where he just, where is God? God, what are you doing in the middle of all of this, in the middle of my life? Why, why would you allow me to go through what I am going through? God showed up. And God showed Job all that he had done, all his creation, everything that he has done in this world to let Job know, just look and see, and you'll see me. And this is what Job responded with. Nope, oh, sorry, let me hit this really quick. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. You see, for me, I didn't understand how God was working together in my life, all of that. It doesn't say that all things are good. It never says that. I used to think that God would make it all good, right? That in my life, if God loves me, he's gonna make it all good. But actually, what I began to discover was that he's taken all of it, that he's taken everything, and God works all things together for good. Not that all things are good. 
that he takes it all and he works it together and all the things that I went on in my life and, and the, the hell on earth that I experienced, that if I were to come and have that moment to be able to share with Julie and she were to come to faith, it was worth it and it worked together for good because Julie on that day met Jesus and she wanted a relationship with him. And Job said it this way. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. What Job was saying was this, I, 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 I believed it, I'd heard about you. I mean, in my whole life, I'd heard, I, I'd believed, I'd say yes, I said the right things, I mean, I, I understood these things, but deep inside, there's something within me saying, God, where are you? What's going on? And like Job, I had to go from a where's God moment, like many of us, like many of us in the middle of our circumstance, no matter what may, might be happening, taking place, even in our world today that we're wondering, and in our country, and all that we're experiencing, God, where's God in the middle of this kind of a circumstance? Where is God in the middle of, of this life? Why would this be taking place? Why would people be struggling and suffering in, in this kind of a way? And for you personally, it might be a story that you have that would totally blow my story that I just shared out of the water, no matter what that might be. We ask ourselves many times, the, where's God? But oftentimes, like Job, we have to identify, there's God. My there's God moment happened for me with Julie and it's happened countless times since when I've been able to look back and say, God, if I stop and, and, I, and I quit taking a look at all the where's God and asking all of this, but I start identifying the there's God moment in the middle of this craziness of going on in our world right now and I read about people that are loving others and are giving to others and saying, you know what, I wanna do what I can do to show up and help you. In the middle of a where's God moment where we can't meet together as a church, but a there's God moment that says, hey, come with me so you can experience Foothills Church online with me at home because they may never, never step foot into this door, but they'll come to your house or you can invite someone, whatever that might be that for us, we ask ourselves the where's God moment, but then we have to say and look because that's when we see with our eyes the there's God moment and in every circumstance there's a there's God moment. I had a friend share with me years ago, he said that peace is not the absence of chaos but the presence of God in the midst of that chaos. That I had to realize that I wanted peace to be the absence of that chaos. I wanted peace to be everything that was removed, but, but what he reminded me was, it's the presence of God in the midst of it. And Pastor Trent reminded us earlier, the Holy Spirit that lives within, within us that, that helps us to understand the peace that we can have, that is where we find it. In my life, that I wanted to tear out the pages God said, that's your story. In fact, I want you to insert them back in because I want you to learn from that. I want you to share that. I want you to be able to realize that I, what you went through, I was not unaware of that. What you went through, I was not distant and away from you. In fact, I was present right in the middle of it. And if you'll trust me, I'll use it to help me be a better husband, a better man, a better father, a better pastor, to be able to share with others and, and, and help to understand that if someone sits down with me and goes, you wouldn't understand that my, my parents are an alcoholic, you wouldn't understand that. I, I do actually. And for many of us, what our story could be to be able to share with others, I believe that God, what God wants to do in our lives is he wants you to understand your story is not by accident. 
God's writing your story each and every day. And will we join him and celebrate even in the moments and to rejoice in our sufferings. One of the most difficult things to do, but one of the most beneficial because at the end, after all is produced, we find hope. So what about you? Maybe today, with your story, with your life, maybe you thought, how could God allow this to happen? How could God allow me to go through this? And maybe you just need to release that to him and say, God, I want to be able to identify and to look for the there's God and to be able to remove the where's God and to say, God, in the middle of all of that, I want to look and I want to see you at work because I promise you he is. Or, or maybe you're like Julie and you've pushed back so hard. Your story has been, if God loved me, then why? What is he, what would he do to, to or what have I done for him to, to allow me to happen? I want you to know this, is that, that even though there's so much that can be taking place in your life, that Jesus said, I have come to redeem you, to buy you back, because you and I are the ones who have given in and we have separated our, ourselves from him. And he said, I love you this much that I'm coming to give my life for you. Now, will you just trust me? Maybe that's today for you, that you need to trust Jesus. Or maybe just in the middle of all this craziness, you just need to breathe in the peace of God that says, okay, your presence is here. What do you want to do? Let's pray together. Father God, we um, come to you right now in the middle of all that we are going through. God, I, I'm sometimes I'm just blown away at how amazing that you truly are, how much you truly love us, how much you, you, you love us still, even though I know that I've done so much personally, so much that has, um, uh, I feel like has been like, I, I deserve this because of what I've done, right? I mean, this, this is just me. And I, feel, and, I, and I feel like that I've done so much against you and pushed you away, but you stepped in and said, look, my, my grace is sufficient. That you have done nothing to earn that. So stop trying to earn it. And just rest in me. And there are often many days that I know I need to do that. And I pray for us those that are watching online, those that have been invited, those who have been, uh, who have been struggling with, with any of this of, of, of going, God, why is this going on in our world? I mean, you know, we can't even go to church on Sunday morning. We can't even go shop. Who knows what we can and can't do? Events canceled left and right. What is taking place? Some people can't even make it to work because of what's going on right now. But God, we know that you're at work in the middle of all of this and we trust in you and we rest in you and we give this to you to say, God, just show your face in the middle of all of this. And that is when we discover that we can rest in your arms and we stop trying to do it on our own because you're in control. Thank you for being so faithful. All that I went through in my life, even with my mom, to know even at the end that I was able to, to at her funeral to say, thank you, God, for the life that we had together, which a few years prior to that was really hard. But to be able to say that in all honesty, that only came because I saw, like Job like Job's said. I didn't just hear, I didn't just say I believe it, but I saw and I experienced. And I was like, God, you worked. Thank you for that moment. 
and we love you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.